Greetings again. Glad to have you with us. Um, last time uh, we were finishing up talking about Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and 23, where Jesus was asked by the disciples, um, how did you kill the tree? That's basically what they wanted to know. And he told them about words, speaking words. If you believe what you say and you're speaking God's words, you'll get what you said you would get. And you'll get it all the time. Now, um, we wanted we dig in it. We're digging into that before we go on to Mark because it's so critical to understand how to be successful at what you do. Now, uh, we're going to look at a couple of other scriptures. If you if you turn to Ecclesiastes and you look at chapter eight, verse four, it says this: For the word of the king is powerful. And who would say to him, what are you doing? The word of a king is powerful. And who would tell him, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, if a king wants a ditch dug, he, he says, you know, let the ditch be dug. And the, he doesn't dig it. He doesn't go get shovels. He doesn't do anything. He just says, let it be dug and it gets dug. You know, when God created the universe, he said, light be, light was. And, you know, his word did it. The king's word did what he wanted it to do here. Now, uh, look at Revelations chapter 5, verse 11. Revelations 5, verse 11. Then I looked around and I heard the throne of the living creatures and the elders of the voices of many angels numbering 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands and thousands, saying, Worthy is the Lamb who slain to receive power, riches, and glory. That guy that they're talking about right there is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Okay, King of Kings. Who are the kings that he's kings over? They're not talking about the King of Arabia or the King of Sultan or anything like that. He's talking about us. We are to be kings in the reign that God has given us down here. Somebody asked one time, why did God send Satan to earth? And, it, and, and it, the greatest answer I heard was because it was punishment. Because... He sent him down here to earth where there'd be millions of little Jesuses running around and would just drag him around the earth by the crook of his nose. But most Christians don't know that. They don't know that that's, that's what it does and they don't know how to do it with their, the words of their mouth. Now we're going to look at a few more things here. Let's look at Romans chapter 4 and let's look at, at uh, uh, certainly a guy that we need to know about is, is um, Abraham. Look at Abraham, chapter 4, and start at verse 16. And here's what he says. Therefore, the promise comes through faith so that it might be by grace that the promise would be certain to all descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And as it is written... I have made you the father of many nations before whom God... He believed, and he who raises the dead and calls things that do not exist as though they did. Now that come that story comes from Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. It kind of looked like a Baptist sword drill here, but we go back to 17, verse 5, and here's what it says. God said. To Abraham, to Abram, no longer will your name be called Abram, 
your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Now, when he said that, it was a done deal. Abraham was the father of a multitude of nations, and as Abram became Abraham, Sarai became Sarah. She was going to be the mother. And uh, the interesting thing is, is that when God said it, is when it was when it was a done deal, not when Abraham saw it, or when he believed it, or when he felt it. That's key to this. It's not how you feel, or what you think, or or, or what's going on around you, your circumstances when you say something. It's based on what did God say. If you have a problem at work, and I can go back to to my years at work, and I can remember a number of situations where I was put in a position where I I had to do things that were uh, not necessarily well, they certainly weren't illegal. But I wouldn't, you know, if I was a customer, I wouldn't want it done to me. So I actually brought that up in a meeting, and, and it just kind of went over everybody's head. And I was kind of shunted off to the side. But that's okay. I'm standing on what God says to do in situations. So if you need help in business, I could spend hours telling you about great stories about how God did things in businesses uh, that I worked with over time. Now, let's go on and let's go to, let's see here. Hebrews chapter 11. Go back to Psalm chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Let's go back and review that. Psalm chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Now listen to this. Help, Lord, for the godly man comes to an end, for the faithful disappear from the sons of men. That's kind of what some people think right now, but it's not true. Listen to this. They speak empty words, each with his own neighbor. They speak with flattering lips and a double heart. The Lord will cut off all flattering lips, and, a, and the tongue that speaks proud things who have said, With our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are in control over who is master over us. These are people that understand the power of words, but basically they're saying, we're going to say what we want, and who's going to stop us? What we say goes. Uh, that's why it says they speak with a double heart. Um, my favorite line from, uh, from uh, one of my westerns, I think it was probably a Clint Eastwood western, uh, where Ten Bears said, you know, there's iron in those words, white man. There's iron in your words. That means what you say has got some bulk to it. It's got some meat to it. But if you speak with a forked tongue, that means you're lying. And that's what he's talking about here. Speaking with a double heart. You can't do that. You can't have fresh water and bitter water coming out of the same spigot. Now, um, speaking is the number one way of releasing faith. That's how, you, that's how you plant words. That's how you plant seeds. You speak them. Now, um, you speak and act as though the object of your faith is already here. Now, let's talk about a new job. Okay, you go and find scriptures that support that. Before you pray, you go and don't just pray and ask God. God doesn't, isn't moved by your needs. God's moved by your faith. 
Understand? God's not moved by your needs. He's moved by your faith. Now, so you need a new job. So you, you pray and, and you believe, you go find the scriptures that say um, you're going to get a new job. And you speak and you put together a really good prayer and you start speaking that. And you go out and you go out, you, you sit there and you're waiting for a new job and it never comes. And then you go, well, see, this speaking stuff doesn't work. Well, no, it does work. You just made it work when you said, oh, see, this stuff doesn't work. I spoke that and I didn't get a job. Well, also, when you plant seeds, you can't just throw them on top of the ground. A lot of people make that error when they're trying to seed yards. You can't just put the seed on top of the ground. You actually have to work the seed into the ground. You have to do some work to make the seed work. Jesus, in the parable of the sower, said there's four kinds of soil. There's good soil, soil by the wayside, rocky ground, and thorny ground. The good seed gets planted into all of them, but the only one that made any difference was the one that was prepared, the ground. So you have to work that. So in order to get a new job, you have to actually go look for one. You find one that you want, and you go after it. Now, does rejection mean that you're not going to get your job? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that Luke 18.1 says men ought to pray and not give up. You need to keep after it. And don't do not pray... I, I could spend hours on this one. Do not pray, Lord, if it be thy will, give me a new job. Then if, then if you don't get a job, it's just a, it's just a, a cover for God. Well, if it didn't work out, it wasn't God's will. Well, no, it is God's will for you to have meaningful work. It is God's will for you to be healed. He wouldn't have died on the cross and said in, in um, uh, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes you were healed. You were healed. That happened there. Well, now why are so many sick people around? And why do people die from sicknesses? And I've heard I've heard statements like this. Well, if nobody gets sick, how would they die? Well, maybe they die just like Paul did. Maybe you just go home. You make the decision. Hey, I I think my time's up here. I want to go home. I I think uh, that's what happened to Stephen. He was getting stoned, and he looked up and said, "Receive my spirit," and he he left. I think Jesus was getting up to come down and straighten Saul out right then, but we don't hear that, and and that's not the point of this. I just launched into my mind, and I spoke it out. Now, speaking is the number one way of releasing your faith. Now, let's look at... Let's go and look at another set of Scriptures here. Uh, Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 and 22. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11. And look at 20 and 22. Here we go. Now, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. He's speaking to things that are coming. Not, not now. He's speaking to things that are coming. By faith, Joseph, uh, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped while leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, <coughs> pardon me. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, mentioned the exodus of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Then, when they when when they when they left, they went back and got his bones. 
He predicted these things. He spoke these things into existence. And they did exactly what he said he would do. That's what faith is about. Speaking what God said and standing on it. Um, if you go to, a little out of sequence here, but this just came to mind. Go to Acts chapter 4. Uh, Peter, actually in John, in, in um, verse three, chapter three, verse one, Peter and John went up together at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. A man lame from birth was being carried, and so they healed him. Okay, and you know, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have be healed. It doesn't mean that they were poor. It means that they just left their American Express card at home, I guess. But they're not poor. They're just saying, I don't have that right now. I'm not going to give you that. But here's what I do have. See if you want this. And the guy gets healed. says that his legs were strengthened. And this, this is a great miracle. And um, as the lame man who was held held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to the entrance to see what was going on. Well, sure they would. Now, as this goes on, uh, they start. He, he says in verse 16, chapter 3, By his name and faith in his name, Jesus Christ... This is what's made this man strong. By faith in his name. This is what's made this man strong. By faith in his name. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They heard the word. They believed it. And look what they got. Now, and faith which comes through him has given him perfect health in your presence. Okay? Now, of course, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and and whoever didn't like it. They don't ever like it when the good things happen. So they're after him, and they tell him, no, look, you tell him not to speak in his name. No, we're going to do that. Now, But here's the key thing here about speaking in God's Word. Look down at verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant that your servants may speak your Word with great boldness. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be performed in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus. When they prayed, the place they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God with boldness. That's what we need today. That's what we, we, we need this so desperately in our churches. We need, you know, when was the last time that you went to church and there's so many people trying to crowd and get in that they don't have room for them. They're, they're outside the building. They're surrounding the building. They're pressing on the doors. They're chopping holes in the roof to try to get down because the power of God is so strong. I haven't seen that. I've been in other countries and I've seen things happen in Uganda that, wow, powerful stuff when the Holy Spirit gets involved. And you get it, when you're involved in it, you come back and you find out at the base of it is people's words. They're speaking what God said, and they're believing what God said, and they're believing that what He said will, will happen to me. I believe, I could tell, we could tell story after story after story of people that get healed. I, another simple believe, speak, and act, this wasn't in my notes, so I'm going to go off script here, was Brother Andrew. If you've never read the book, Brother uh God's smuggler, you need to read it. Uh, he just he was a kid in, in the Netherlands, got saved, he went to Poland to a child to a, a youth conference and found out they didn't have any Bibles and he read the Bible and just believed, hey, 
I think you want me to take Bibles over, so I'm going to do that. So he gets a Volkswagen, fills it full of Bibles, and he comes up to a um, checkpoint. In com- This is back in the 60s. This is communist uh, behind the Iron Curtain. The car in front of him, they, they took a man and his wife out, their luggage, they went and they took an hour and a half to go through their car and make sure they weren't smuggling anything. He's standing there, and the next in line, he's got a Volkswagen full of Bibles. He didn't even try to hide them. They're on the seat, they're in the back, wherever. They say Bibles on them. There's no doubt about it. And he prayed this. He said, Lord, in the Bible, you may blind eyes see. I'm asking you to make seeing eyes blind. They took an hour and a half to go through the car in front of him. He pulled up. Now, remember, if they catch him at this, he's going to spend a long time, if not life, in prison. He's going to get beaten. Uh, it's not pretty. He pulls up. The guard sticks his head in, asks him a couple questions, looks around and waves him on. It took five minutes to get him through the line. And he never saw the Bibles. Now, do we have that kind of faith? Can you, can you know, that's, that's where... And the rest of his stories, the, you scratch your head and go, holy mackerel, I didn't know that. You know, why can't we do that? Why aren't we doing that? We don't speak it. We don't believe it. And because BSA, go back and remember that. Believe, speak, and act. If we don't believe it, we don't speak it, then we certainly don't act on it. If we do believe it and we speak it and act on it, you've got to have, you're bold, acting on God's Word, and you trust God to do what He said He'd do. We could go on and on and tell you about that, but uh, that was free of charge, no extra cost for that whatsoever. Now, uh, go down to, let's go back to Proverbs a minute. Let's go to uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. We'll start there and then we'll move on from there. Proverbs 6, 2. You are snared with the words of your mouth if you're taken with the words of your mouth. You are taken with the words of your mouth and you're snared by the words of your mouth. What we want to do is to understand the impact that your words have and why it's important for you to guard what comes out of your mouth. Let's go from Proverbs 6 to, let's go over to Proverbs 12, 12.6 and Remember this, if you're speaking words, if you'll be more selective in your words, you'll be more effective in your, in your ministry. Don't forget that. If you're more selective in your words, you'll be more effective in your ministry. Now, Proverbs 12.6, The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. Get that. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. Now, let's go on and look at verse 14 in chapter 12. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. So, the man will be satisfied with the good fruit of his mouth. That doesn't mean that the guy standing there going, Boy, every time somebody gets laid off, I'm always the first one that gets laid off. You know, as soon as I get some extra money, the car will go broke and I'll have to fix the transmission or something. You know, my kid's always in trouble when he goes to school. You know, I can't do this and I can't do that and so forth and so on. And somebody tells a joke and you go, Isn't that, doesn't that just kill you? You know, um, 
dying to go, dying to stay. You know, when you speak, you know, people say, well, you, you can't watch all that. Well, you can. The Scripture says you can, but you got to do it. And that's why so few people are successful at this, because they don't do what it says. Okay? Now, look out at verse 18, chapter 12, verse 18. There's one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. That's what I used to do. But the tongue of the wise is hell. The tongue of the wise. I'm speaking what God's Word says, specifically about my health, specifically about my family, about my marriage. Uh, don't go to God and complain about your wife. It won't do any good. I can assure you of that. After having been married 45 years and, and, and outlining everything that I thought she was doing wrong, the Lord finally pointed the finger and said, you know, you're really the problem here, not her. So, uh, you begin to learn how to speak what God says, and you can then you'll learn to hear. We'll talk about that in some lessons down the road about how to hear from God. You know, John 10 says, My sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they'll not follow. So you do have the ability to hear God. You just need to learn how to distinguish between His voice and other voices in, that you hear. Now, from uh, Matthew, uh, pardon me, from Proverbs 12, let's go to uh, Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, verse 28. Um, the heart of the righteous studies to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Now, another translation says, now, I'm reading from the modern English version. Yours may read a little different, but one of the translations says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. So, uh, instead of just watching the news and launching off and saying everything that comes to your mind about how crappy the government is and how evil this is and how evil that is, ponder what you're going to say and ponder what God would want you to do about that situation. Um, it's been very difficult for me uh, during COVID and other things that, I've, that we've been dealing with, uh, the Lord has been working with me about watching my mouth. And it seems like that's class number one for me always is watch your mouth. Start saying what I said. Start doing what I told you to do. And speak what I told you to speak. So I'm, I'm still working on that. I could certainly use your guys' prayers as we walk through that. Um, Let's look at Proverbs chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. Of course, Proverbs is just chock full of these kind of sayings. Now listen to Proverbs 13, 2. A man will eat well by the fruit of his mouth. A man will eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor will eat violence. Wow. You see what's going on in some of the cities, Minnesota specifically, Portland, Oregon, the the riots and the things that are going on. Listen to what people speak about it. You know, just listen to their words. Look at the actions. You can tell what they're speaking. Um, verse 3 actually says, He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips will have destruction. Boy, is that... I, I mean, we shouldn't really have to spend a lot of time on that. He who guards his mouth preserves life. Preserves his life. Um, when I was a kid... Uh, I spent time in a, basically it's kind of a reform school is the best way to describe it. Now, I got beat up a lot of times in there, and most of the times because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. 
Now, I fought a lot. I wasn't a very good fighter, and I didn't win very many, but I, you know, thick-headed and took a long time to get the answers beat into my head. But I did finally learn after a while not to say some of the things that I said. That's what he's talking about here. Um, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. Just keep your mouth shut sometimes. Ask the Lord. Pray quietly. What do I say in this situation? Now, um, we talked about Acts 4. Uh, let's look at um, Proverbs 17, 27. All right. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. He who has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Verse 28 says, Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. And he who shuts his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Boy, are these not great scriptures. Okay? Um, now, before we close, let's go back to Joshua. And uh, the book of Joshua. And we'll, we'll finish up in Joshua 1. But while we're here... Go to Joshua chapter 10 for a moment. And in chapter 10, you're going to see where the sun stands still. And um, uh, Joseph, Joseph, Joshua's words to God, he needed them to keep the everything standing still so he could beat the enemy because he's running out of daylight. And God responded to his words and did what he asked him to do. Now, if you go back to Joshua chapter 1, and look at this. You think about it. I think some of the most terrifying words in the Bible, certainly to Joseph had or to Joshua, had to be in verse two, when God says, "Moses, my servant, is dead." Now Moses did a, a bunch of miracles. He did a lot of things, splitting the Red Sea and all these things. And uh, J Joshua watched the whole thing. And so right here he's saying, "Moses, my servant, is dead. So therefore, you go." And he says, now get up and cross over the Jordan. And he tells him what to do. And he says, starting in verse 5, No man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Um, you go down to, it says, Do not turn aside from the words to the right or the left. This book of the law must not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you can act carefully according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way successful and you will be wise. Okay? He said, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So Joshua, in following up on Moses, was told to meditate on the Word, read the Word, speak the Word, and you'll be successful wherever you go. That means maybe we have to set down some things. Maybe we have to set down some soccer games. Maybe we have to not do so much of this. Maybe we don't play golf as much. Maybe we do a lumber thing. Maybe there's some things we just don't do at all. But we put this first. Are you, are you spending time reading this, or do you just find a little devotional and read a paragraph about somebody said and, and read one scripture and then a three-line prayer, and you say, I got it. That's my... Uh, check that off. That was my religious duty for the day. That's not how you become successful. Now, I'll close with this. Matthew chapter 12. And then I promise the next time we get together, we'll go back into the book of Mark and we'll get past chapter 11 and we'll go on to verse 12 and, or chapter 12 and 13.
But look at Matthew chapter 12, verses... uh, Well, we'll start with verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. That's what's planted. Those are the, that's the fruit of the seeds that have been planted. And how do they get planted? By words. Now, verse 36. But I say to you that for every idle word that men speak, they will give an account for on the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. In verse 36 in the Amplified says, idle, inoperative words. Words that don't produce anything. They're, they're idle. And you'll be judged for every word that you said, idle or not. So, the, the bottom line here is, Jesus was telling the guys, do what, practice doing what I did. Speak what God's Word says. Listen to the Holy Spirit. You find a subject, believe it, speak it, act on it. Is it healing? Go find scriptures on healing. Read them. Keep them going until they become part of who you are. Until some nobody can knock it out of you. So, um, all right. We'll close with prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word does exactly what it said it would do. We thank you for following your word, Lord. We ask you to continue to anoint this day, and I hope that these words settle in people's heart and produce good fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, see you next time. Queima a impureza do meu ser Estrela alva brilha em mim Brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver